Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And what's up? Welcome in Monday episode of DC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. We are, of course, brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Check out Clint's info at clinthammond.com or just give him a call, 803-771-6933. Clint is the branch manager right here in Columbia at the Columbia Mortgage Network. See Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com is his email address, as you see right there on the screen. 71597 is his NMLS number. Um, if you're in the market, uh, in fact, I I know some friends who have refinanced uh, here recently. You can save some money. and Or if you're just in the market for a new home, very low interest rates, give Clint a shout. He can walk you through the process, uh, whether you're an experienced investor or if you're a first-time home buyer. Um, I bought my first house with Clint. Very smooth process after hearing horror stories from people dealing with buying a house. Uh, very smooth process. So give Clint a, a shout. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of the show. And I promise you, he will take great care of you. Chris, um, dude, we're getting there. I think it's 33 days until kickoff now, which means fall camp opens up on Friday. 
Well, we'll say preseason camp. We can't call it fall camp because it literally is like 100 degrees outside. Preseason camp on Friday. Players report on Thursday. That's a media day. We had Carolina Cookout on Saturday. Um, you can, I can already tell that y'all, those watching and listening, just the fan base at large, y'all are getting excited because the, clo- the closer to kickoff we've gotten, Chris, I've watched our – just on YouTube, I've watched the number of viewers. The average number just steadily gets higher, higher, higher. Now, in the offseason, it was like lower, lower, lower. Now, everybody starts getting a little bit more pumped. Plenty to talk about on today's show, man. Definitely, man. Recruiting, you know, still in high gear. Uh, it just ended, of course, the one-week open period in this month of July. And so now things are dead in the sense of no campus visits right now and coaches won't be going they'll be finally able to go back on the road during the football season see a lot of coaches out on Friday nights this year so that'll be a little bit more you know of a return to normalcy on that front but you know some recruiting stuff going on obviously with the Carolina cookout that was busy this weekend but like you said big storyline is football camp it's back it's maybe not quite as normal as we thought it would be Wes it looked like and you remember when we had Shane Beamer on the show he seemed to really be plotting a, a way to try to figure out how to get fans uh, some exposure to the team this year. Expo- oh, exposure is a really bad word to use during this. He was trying to figure out a way to get the fans an opportunity to see the team this year, uh, whether it was at you know a fan appreciation day or during camp itself, which I think fans would enjoy that even more, just being able to go and get a look at the team. Not going to happen this year uh, because of – you know, the the kind of status of where things are again, I guess, with COVID. Um, so I know everybody was bummed about that. Fans, I'm sure Shane Beamer is bummed about that, probably even the team. Uh, but it will start up, and that means the season's getting closer. So uh, looking forward, we will be able to see more than we did this spring, which is exciting for us, Wes. We'll get some lengthier periods during practice. So I'm excited about that. I'm ready to get this thing kind of kicked off as far as practice and being able to see some of the new faces, see how some of these guys have progressed from spring until now. Yeah, phrasing, Chris. Exposure, that uh, – Bad one, bad one. That's rough. All right, y'all, real quick, I'm going to try – because we swapped places and it's it's uh, it's it's messing with my brain. I'm going to try to swap us back. There it is. Okay. All right. This is where we normally are, right? I'm here, you're there. Okay, perfect. Um, But yeah, lots of stuff to go into, man. Carolina Cookout, again, a very laid-back event. Some food trucks, some some hanging by the pool. There was some wiffle ball action, some cornhole. Those seem to be maybe the two primary, maybe the most popular games that that I heard about, but uh, a little bit of a scavenger hunt going on, some, some golf cart tours of campus. But really just a a much more laid-back day than your typical recruiting experience. But, you know, there were a couple of things, Chris, that stood out to me. One being the number of guys, and in some cases young prospects, that South Carolina was getting in for the second, sometimes third time, just since June. So the uh, the amount of time that that they've had around these kids, the amount of time that these kids have had to be on their campus, you know, you look you look at a Cam Pringle, you look at a Josiah Thompson, um, you know, you, there, there's several guys 
Xavier McLeod, um, you know, lots of guys that are still pretty early in their recruiting process. And they're getting just that comfort level around your coaches and around your program because, let's be honest, when, when South Carolina came in, with kids not being able to be on campus, you're playing catch-up uh, for prospects. They've never met your staff. They've never been on your campus in some cases. So you're playing catch-up. Well, for the class of 2023 guys, and then in some cases, like we're talking about the class of 2024 guys, to go ahead and establish that early baseline of, hey, man, you you should feel welcome on this campus at any time, I thought was massive. Then the other side of this for me, the, the committed guys, uh, the other end of the spectrum, your rising seniors, your guys that are already locked in, all three of your offensive line commitments are on campus, spending time together. Your future quarterback was on campus, spending time with those guys. And then maybe the most important storyline of all, in my opinion, Chris, Antonio Williams, Dutch Fork High School, makes the short ride over from Irmo. But he had a lot going on on Saturday. Had his own practice, had photo day at practice, had um, sort of a, a meet-the-team meet the function for – for fans of Dutch Fork football, I'm for for a kid that doesn't really seem to love recruiting, Chris. I'm going to go ahead and read into the fact that he and his family made it a point to get over to the to the thing. I know it's a short trip. I know it's not hopping on an airplane, but considering what we know about how low key he is about the recruiting process, um, that that to me is a very very good move for South Carolina. Yeah, you're right. Loki doesn't get all into the recruiting process. There have been visits to other places. There may be other visits. We know, you know, Ole Miss obviously gets an official visit later this football season, as will South Carolina. But I think this is a, a deal, South uh, West, where, you know, the, the location of South Carolina being right down the road has helped. And it's been something that I think Antonio and his family have embraced. You know, I think it does help South Carolina's cause in this particular situation with the distance. Although Antonio spent time, you know, in his younger years in the state of Mississippi, I think the families here kind of established that helps. That helps South Carolina. And like you said, you're pointing out that the fact that he, you know, wants that FaceTime, he and his family want the FaceTime with the coaching staff. They feel comfortable enough to go and do that on a day where they have a lot going on. And you probably, and there's a good argument to be made, just go home and relax and rest up a little bit. You know, they go and, and brave kind of the heat. It was a hot day and they go out there and have some fun at the cookout as well. So I think, again, a positive sign for South Carolina. They've stayed really engaged. It hasn't been a high pressure situation or a, or a pitch, quote unquote, uh, from this coaching staff to Antonio Williams. But it has been a deal where there's a really, really high comfort level between the Williams camp and Justin Stepp, Shane Beamer, Eric Camry, everybody that's been involved there. Yeah, so um, we'll see. Obviously, this is not – it's not a situation where we're, like, tracking an upcoming commitment anytime soon for, for Antonio. But, you know, I, I think um, as we know in this stuff, man, time, time flies because the, the kid's going to be focused on his senior year now, um, high school football games. South Carolina is going to be focused on their games, obviously. Um we were told what I think I said late October potentially for a commitment, but he's got two official visits set, South Carolina and Ole Miss. That that time will be here before we know it. So I, I think just to to finish off the summer, 
if you really look at it, Chris, he started the summer at South Carolina and he finished the summer at South Carolina. So are there some things that could potentially throw a wrench in this? Uh, would a Clemson offer still mean something? Would an Alabama offer, although I haven't heard them come up near as much lately, uh, but a Clemson offer would still mean something. I, I think it's fair and safe to say. Um, Georgia, Auburn are still in this a little bit. He did take an unofficial visit to both of those schools. They could get official visits. But I don't know, man. The fact that we keep hearing South Carolina Ole Miss, and then that's the first two official visits, and then the amount of time he has now spent at South Carolina, I, I start to feel like South Carolina at this time, with the, the rest of the race to be run, to be run um, that they're in so, a solid place, I, I think, with him. So, all right, dude, let's um, tell you what. Let's finish off with another sort of, um, I would say, senior that we're tracking, and then let's circle back to some of the young guys. And, um, you know, I, I think South Carolina has really – you had some of this in your, your insider report, man. Uh, but but James Pierce, this is a kid that uh, we've been tracking for a while now, the last couple of months. He got an, a summer offer from South Carolina. He is a true edge prospect. Um, I would say is in the line of, of being a more traditional, like long, lean, pass rush type prospect, not one of these guys that's probably going to grow into an interior player. And in, in my opinion, and I know in your opinion as well, based on the feedback we've gotten, South Carolina has really put themselves in, in a good spot with him. Yeah, he's a really interesting kid because, like you said, more of a true edge guy, six foot five, six foot six, 220, 225 pounds, and room to continue growing, but staying out on the edge. He's got that length. He's athletic enough to where, you know, at the high school level, he's played some receiver. So obviously that shows the type of athleticism that he's got. And South Carolina has been in on him pretty hard, uh, had him on campus earlier this summer already get him back for the cookout and everything that we've heard points to South Carolina being in really good position. Now Pierce himself, unless he doesn't talk a lot, hardly at all, <laughs> but he's someone that, uh, you know, you look at it even right there. I mean, you can just tell for those of you watching on the YouTube stream, you look at this guy, you know, just in photos, you watch him on film, the length really, really stands out. Um, just the way that he's built, his arms are long, he's long limbed. Um, has quickness off the football. Asked some coaches in the Charlotte area recently about him, and they all kind of used terms like, you know, athlete or raw athlete, high upside kid, lots of potential. They throw around those terms. And so this is someone that I think Mike Peterson, who's done a really good job developing talent at South Carolina, that buck position on the defensive end, edge rushers, he's done a really good job. This is a guy that would bring, you know, a lot of tools to where Mike Peterson could take those and kind of really help develop him into a more complete player, but lots of lots of physical upside and talent here. And Chris, that you know, I think me personally, I've been sort of curious to see exactly how, how do they structure things on this defense in terms of numbers. You know, I, I think before we'd kind of gotten used to it was kind of like there was a buck position. And there is a defensive end spot, but a, a lot of the guys that were in that defensive end spot were more along the lines of like your bigger type of guys that set the edge, not your traditional pass rush types and guys that 
are more like the kids that would play in in like a three four almost. Now in this scheme, everybody that's sort of an outside player on the defensive line is listed as an edge. So you look at South Carolina's current roster, JJ Nickbare, he's an edge. Jordan Birch, he's an edge. Aaron Sterling, uh, Jordan Strong, they're all listed as edge prospects. So I didn't know necessarily what it was going to look like as far as numbers go at that position. But based on what we're both hearing right now, Chris, it sounds like South Carolina is going to take both a, a heavy edge class and a heavy interior uh, defensive line class based on the guys they're in on, the guys they have a shot at, and the numbers that I think we can currently project that they will try to take at those positions. So it, it seems to me, even even though the defensive line, and, and when I say defensive line, I'm including everybody, the interior guys and the edge guys, even though that position is in a good spot with the current roster, um, it looks to me like they are really eyeing sort of being in a position to revamp that defensive line and restock it uh, for the future, it seems. Yeah, and the more you look at it and think about it, Wes, this makes sense. And I think one thing to consider in this class is that spots are tight, right? What is it, seven spots when you count what South Carolina has committed plus, um, you know, a couple guys that count towards this class from the transfer ranks in Tyrese Ross and Karan Prunty. And then you look around and you go, there are lots of different needs that are still on the board, you know, maybe a running back, a tight end if it's Oscar Delp. you still got linebacker out there as a need. Um, you know, so they're a wide receiver, obviously, where they want to add another guy or two. So there are lots of needs, and the, there's not a ton of numbers there. But it looks like South Carolina is taking the approach of, hey, figure that out if you've got some guys that are talented. And, and when you look at the edge position on the 2022 recruiting board, it's a lot of different types of guys, you know, different, different body types, different skill sets that could do some different things for you. And so it looks like they've kind of taken the approach of, you know, don't turn down guys that you feel can be impactful players there. And going back to the current roster, that makes sense because you look, you got JJ Anigbar, he's a senior. He's gone after this year. He's going to be a potentially a pretty high NFL draft pick. Then you've got, you know, Jordan Strong, who's technically a junior, right? But I mean, Wes, what if Jordan Strong has some huge year? You know, he, he may look at going pro. It, even even if not, he's a guy that you're not – he's not like he's a freshman. You don't have him around for a super long time. Aaron Sterling's a super senior. Tonka Hemingway's playing inside for you, right? Um, you've got Jordan Birch, who's a sophomore this year, but he has the type of potential to where he might not be at South Carolina for five years. Just just put it that way in total. So, And then you got some youngsters, so it makes sense here to go ahead and get some guys in the pipeline that, um, you know, can, yeah, sure, help out immediately, but also down the road for the Gamecocks at the edge position. Yeah, well, I think, Chris, it's, it's probably a smart move, like you're saying, because it's one of those spots where you – yes, there are there are some positions that are greater needs right now if you look at the current roster and, and even, frankly, the talent level at some of the current spots, but you don't want to be looking – basically one class later saying, wow, I got to recruit four edge guys and pray one of them can play right away. Or I've, I've got to hit the Juco ranks. I got to go find a guy who can, who can help. And if I don't, we're, we're going to be in bad shape because then you're putting, you're actually putting a spot that 
is in a solid place and making it a, a potential question mark as well when it's not right now. So, so yeah, it's probably smart. You know, you and I have said for, for as long as we've been doing this, though, you never turn down guys up front. If you, if you think they can play, if, if you, if you can get them in, you think they can play, then you've got to take them. And that's the approach South Carolina is taking right now. You know, there are still some, you know, some question marks at other positions, but uh, it just, it seems like in the case of a guy like Pierce, they're high enough on him that they've probably identified him as a guy of like, we, we've got to take this guy regardless. Yeah. And I, I think that's where they're at. And, you know, a couple other guys, obviously, on the board. Everybody knows about Jay Sean Barham from, you know, up in that DMV area. He He's a priority. He, he will remain a priority and a, diff, a little bit of a different type of player, you know, than James Pierce. But a couple other guys on the board that South Carolina, you know, continues to recruit there in addition to Pierce. And from what it sounds like, Wes, um, if they can get them all, you know, you, you, you bring them and you figure it out, you know, later. And those, those things tend to work themselves out one way or another. But like you said, line of scrimmage, you know, deal. I mean, you've got you've got to be good up front to have a chance, particularly defensively. Um, South Carolina's got a chance to be pretty good on the defensive line this year. But looking into the future, it's obviously a position where you've got to continue to be really, really good, and that comes through recruiting. All right, Chris. Like I said, let, let's now go back to some of the younger guys. Again, you look at. Uh, Let's let's stick with the, the big uglies, the offensive line on that side of the ball. You had your three basically future signees, your three verbal commits from the current class. But then, man, you know, getting a kid like Cam Pringle in, getting Josiah Thompson in, then on the defensive line, Xavier McLeod comes in, uh, Heaven Brown Schuler, who is probably, I think it's already pretty clear, he's going to be a national level type prospect. Um, just getting those guys in. And I'll, re, I'll reiterate it again. Um, you know, you, you look in the case of Josiah Thompson, he did, and he's the Dillon offensive lineman class of 2024, for those not familiar. He did an early June, like just sort of walkthrough type visit. He did the O line, D line camp, and now was back for, for a laid back visit. Zay McLeod, he did a same deal. He did like a tour, little quick type visit. He did uh, O-line, D-line, working with Jimmy Lindsey, and now he was back. Uh, Cam Pringle was in um, actually for a regular camp, but uh, worked out with Greg Atkins there, um, you know, and, and now he's back. And I can't remember if he did – do you remember if Cam did two? I think he did one visit during the summer and now Thanks. was back for the cookout. I, I know we obviously saw him in at least one camp. So so of those guys, Chris – and then Heaven Brown Schuler, uh, God, he – that might have been three for him as well. I I know I know he's been back and forth in Columbia. I don't know how many times he was on campus versus not on campus. He's got family in Columbia, uh, but he's been in town. We'll, we'll say that, and certainly has been on campus at least twice now, maybe more than that. I, I just I think that's that's invaluable. And Chris, uh, the, the early returns for, from all those guys has been really positive. I, I think. I would say uh, Xavier McLeod, I feel outstanding about where South Carolina is from their perspective. Josiah Thompson, feel really good about where they are with him. Uh, you know, with Brown Schuler, that's going to be such a battle that it's going to be hard to project, but I, I feel comfortable saying they're in it. And um, 
you know, in Cam Pringle, Chris, I, I think I, I said on the other on the show the other day, I've like I've heard South Carolina's in solid shape there early on. I also think that's going to be a, a real battle as well, just because I think Cam's going to be way up there in the rankings as well. But if you look at those four guys, you're giving yourself a shot. So it, it's just different. Let, let's take for example this class, man. Like like a Jalen Sneed or uh, a Jaden Lucas, uh, some in-state guys who are big-time prospects that that never really visited to give the the staff an opportunity. Um, the, the there's a a stark contrast uh, when you look at at those those guys. Yeah, there is, and and that's why you know one thing that we've said on the show before and, and on GamecockCentral.com, you know this 22 class, you know. Yeah, is it the first real class for for Shane Beamer in that whole era? Because the twenty one one was so quick, so patchwork. Yeah, it is. But given that this is a new staff, for new head coach, first time all recruiting together, you still don't have that much time with that timeline and the fact that there's COVID that shut down recruiting for a lot of the early tenure of Shane Beamer for several months you don't have time to lay that groundwork. Even with the 2022 class, you're working on a really accelerated time frame. So 23 and 24, that's when you have a longer runway to try to build these relationships with these kids. And so the ones that South Carolina have had on campus now, you know, the cookout was a smaller group. Almost all of the guys who were underclassmen that made it in have been on campus already. I think the only one off the top of my head, Wes, that I can think of was, a 2024 DB from Alabama, Jaden Coleman. This is his first visit. I think everybody else had already been on campus at least once, as you said. The ones you pointed out, Marky Anderson, I confirm, Wes, did make it in from Dorman. So that was another one who's been on campus. Um, you know, Ike Daniels, the 2023 running back. Troy Ford, linebacker from 2023 class out of Georgia. Uh, Jack Larson from the 24 class. T- tight end out of Charlotte. All those guys camp last month. They've all been on campus. So um, they're getting a different feel. They're back for, you know, two times in as many months. It's a big positive. And so particularly for those in-state guys, Wes, that you mentioned, Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle, Marky Anderson, you know, South Carolina now has an ability where they've now gotten them on campus under this new staff. And you you contrast that to the two examples you used that were great. Jalen Sneed from Hilton Head committed to Notre Dame now. Jaden Lucas to Clemson from Malden. Those guys had been on campus under the previous staff, but not under the new staff. They, when they took over, um, you know, they were behind, just, just to be honest. And the kids, you know, they were so advanced in their recruitment that for a variety of reasons did not come back. So um, that it was an unfortunate deal, but it is what it is. Now with this 23, 24 class, They've gotten in on the ground floor of, of these in-state guys in particular and, and many out-of-state guys in those classes too, and I think it's paid early dividends. Yeah, you mentioned Jack Larson. He, he's another man uh, was at camp. Then his uh, his team actually, remember, was at the team camp as well. So then you're, you're looking at three visits for him. We'll actually – I talked to him as well. We'll have a, a full story with, with him here soon. And, you know, Chris, I, I'm glad you brought up Ike Daniels because I want to go into him a bit uh, – you know, it's a kid out of Virginia, uh, Stafford, Virginia, Mountain View High School. Um, I'm going to throw the film up here momentarily. And, you know, Chris, I, I think part of our job, if we're doing our job well, is to find 
the crossing point from when South Carolina really likes a kid and the kid really likes South Carolina. Because if you don't have both of those elements, us predicting, you know, South Carolina's in good shape with this guy, doesn't really matter. If 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 South Carolina loves the kid and he's not really feeling South Carolina, then he's not going to end up in South Carolina. If it's reversed, if uh, the kid really likes South Carolina, but he's not a priority for Carolina, then he's probably not going to end up at South Carolina. So we're always on the lookout for where's that cross-section? Like, where's the intersection between – where's the mutual interest? So I very quickly uh, ha- have begun to believe that Ike Daniels is, is at that intersection. Now, it, it is still early in the process for him. He is a class of 2023 kid, but um, was in, in June for, for camp. Blew away the staff with his camp for performance, from what I was told, Chris. Uh, was back for the cookout and actually told me he already has it on the books to be in town September 4th. Uh, will be at the opener, is planning to be there. Um, that That's some real interest and, and already is planning to take an official visit to South Carolina. So I think that Ike Daniels is not someone we've really gone into much depth about prior to last week or so. But Ike Daniels is a prospect that I think South Carolina fans uh, officially need to be tracking. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one thing to look at and give credit where credit is due is, you know, former running backs coach Des Kitchings, you know, kind of laid some of the groundwork up there in Virginia on Daniels and kind of had the interest peaked a little bit. Obviously, you know, Des leaves for the Atlanta Falcons, gets a great opportunity there. Ontario Hardesty, when he came in, reassesses the the running back board as well. And that that's a, a common guy. And there were several across the 22, 23, 24 classes. But that was that was one in which there was common, you know, South Carolina new staff likes him or Hardesty likes him. And Daniel's obviously interested enough, comes in in June, like you said, Wes, and now back for another visit. And he'll be back, be back several more times, it appears. So major crossover like you were talking about earlier, that intersection with the mutual interest. And I think we both independently heard some really good returns on how the visit went. You know, families seem to love it with, with Ike Daniels. So this is a guy that is certainly going to be one that we're going to be tracking going forward. And it looks like we're going to be tracking him for, for quite a while, Us, No doubt, man. What I, I've got the film up for those who are watching the – the video versions on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, that's YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. Uh, Twitter is at Gamecock Central. Facebook is uh, slash Gamecock Central. Chris, or what, what are your thoughts on, on the film, man? I, I mean, the kid runs hard. Uh, they, they they spread him out some. He can play some receiver a little bit as well, I, I think. Uh, what are your early thoughts? I think he's 200 pounds, um, low center of gravity, difficult to tackle. A um, lot to like about this film. Yeah, I think you look at the fact that he can he can make people miss in a variety of ways, you know, right at the line, does a really good job using his vision, can put his foot in the ground, and has that really good burst that you look for at the line to get out into open space. Then at the high school level, he can break some tackles. That's more of a challenge in college. Obviously, Wes, when you're going up against guys that are normally like you, um, at least on the same playing field as you from a physical standpoint, but what you always want to see in a running back in high school is can they make people miss in high school, either by running around them, running through them, 
because if you can't in high school, your chances of doing it in college are, are not very great. So Daniel shows that ability on film. He's got good speed. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like you said, low center of gravity. So he's got pretty good balance when he runs. And I agree, lot, lots of traits to like here about Ike Daniels. Uh, Stan Asson says, I thought he committed to Virginia Tech. I, uh, I think you're probably thinking of Ramon Brown, Stan. Um, he's committed to them for class of 2022. And uh, this kid is class of 2023 that, uh, like Chris said, got an offer from Des Kitchings. But um, it seems like his recruitment, as far as South Carolina is concerned, has started to take off a bit here lately and is one that we'll be certainly tracking moving forward. Another interesting offer, Chris, that I want to talk about was a, a new 2022 offer to linebacker Deuce Spurlock, an Alabama kid, Huntsville, Alabama. And, man, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but at this point in the process, when a new offer goes out, I take notice, uh, you know, because I, I think er, early on, there's just offer after offer after offer, and, and schools are sort of trying to figure out what their board is. An early offer, I'm not saying it means nothing, but it, it just doesn't mean as much. If you're an ex, if you're extending an offer now, it means you're still trying to find numbers at that particular position, and it means a guy has sort of started to rise up uh, recruiting boards a lot of times. So uh, Deuce Spurlock, uh, Madison Academy High School, um, South Carolina offered him on Sunday. And Chris, a very – a little bit of a unique connection here. One of his good friends actually played linebacker at Western Kentucky uh, for Clayton White. And so Spurlock, uh, when I talked to him on Sunday, he's like, he's like, I'm actually a Western Kentucky fan, which I didn't, not many recruits have ever said that to me, to be completely honest. You know, and I was going, well, tell me more about that. And he said, well, my buddy plays there and my buddy played directly for Clayton White. So, Spurlock has had a little bit of a unique view of, uh, you know, what, what Clayton White's defenses actually are. Uh, at the time, he didn't realize he was going to have a chance to play for him. But, you know, depending on how some things play out at, at the linebacker spot in this class, I left my conversation with Spurlock thinking uh, South Carolina is going to have a, a legitimate chance for this kid if he ends up being one that they push for. Yeah, and uh, the best friend you're talking about, Will Ignat, who's former Tennessee linebacker. He was a pretty big recruit out of high school. I think he was a higher four-star guy, transferred from Tennessee to Western Kentucky. And so, yeah, interesting connection there um, with, with Clayton White having coached him. And so, obviously, you would think a, a good word put in there for Clayton White. And like you said, attention-getting offer for several reasons. You know, um, the primary ones being – this isn't a kind of a random out of state 2024 offer. You know, this is a, this is a senior. So he's in this class. There's a little more urgency to it and linebacker for the Gamecocks. You know, one of the positions that's more unsettled in this class, there's still some prospects of, of guys to get when you look at stone Blanton, Tyler Banks from Virginia, but now do Spurlock with this offer and the connections there and the interest that he now has in the program He's now one to watch, one that you can kind of put in that pod of guys that will, will eventually be on campus or be back on campus um, in the case of like a Blanton who's already been to South Carolina. And so, yeah, one to watch, interesting offer, intriguing offer to, to see kind of where it goes from here. Um, and, and those who are watching the video right now, I'm going to leave this film up, but I'm going to talk about linebackers in general. Um, 
I, I don't have a, a feel for it yet, man. I, I think um, to me it was interesting and, and probably not a positive that uh, that Tyler Banks ne- never made it in in the summer. Now, you know, if they get him in early during the fall and he gets down for a game, then, you know, nobody cares that he didn't visit during the summer. But this is a name, I you know, I remember us bringing him up and tracking him back in the spring, and it was always sort of mentioned he's going to visit at some point. First it was, you know, maybe for a camp. Then it was, ma- you know, maybe for the cookout. Um you know, and I, I don't know what the kid's situation is. I'm not going to pretend I do, but the generally, I mean, if we're going to talk about how much of a positive it is to get some of these kids on campus two, three times, um, you know, they, they like like you've said, they made his top group sight unseen. So there has to be some level of interest. But um, also when, when a guy just doesn't make it down, I tend to maybe say uh, – you know, until you get him in, you you don't really have much of a chance. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, the two – I remember our last report on Banks uh, was that, that he was looking at two schools to possibly visit during that last open week um, in, in the month of July, and those two schools were Ole Miss and South Carolina. It was a couple of schools that he hadn't seen that he's been interested in. Well, didn't make it to South Carolina, and he ended up visiting Ole Miss – this past week. And so you kind of go why, and, and Banks is one of that he didn't talk a ton to the media either, but we have, you know, been able to get some information there and I don't really know the specific reason, but like you said, it's not like he's completely uninterested. They made the top seven side unseen, but at some point, Wes, you do have to get a guy in on a visit. So will that happen? I don't know. Obviously with the lengthy, you know, dead period this month in August, there won't be an opportunity then, but there will be plenty of op- opportunity in September, whether it's a coach, you know, going out on the road to check out one of his games, scout, or more importantly, even than that, getting him actually on campus. So we'll see where it goes, but he is still someone that, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're still tracking Wes, but someone that they do need to get on campus to see, you know, where it could go. Yeah, and I, um, I'm not one of these people that reads into new offers. You know, it's it's a common trend. We see it all the time. Like if South Carolina were to offer a receiver today, everybody would be like, "What does that mean? Something for Antonio? Does that mean something for Jaden Gibson? What What does it mean?" I, I don't read into that most of the time, and I won't read into a specific guy with, with this. But I, I do think um, that this is South Carolina saying, "Yeah, we we need to make sure." we can fill our spots with quality players at the linebacker position. Cause you look right now, um, you know, Donovan Westmoreland is listed as a linebacker on most sites, but what was brought in by South Carolina really is more of an edge guy. So, you know, Nick Eamon Worry is actually listed as a DB, but it's probably your one guy in the class right now that you would circle and, and say he he's a linebacker. He's a future linebacker. Um, they wanted our Mason Thomas. Uh, I think that one that one stung a little bit for, for him to go to Iowa State. So we'll we'll see what that position looks like moving forward, and uh, and then we'll go from there. But I, I will say this, man i I, I like how productive he is. Watching the film, uh, he's played. He's been a productive receiver as well um, in, in this offense, and seems to move around. Is comfortable playing in space. Uh, looks like a solid prospect to me, Chris. Yeah, he does. I mean, um, I think he's someone that can continue to get bigger, but you look at how he moves around, um, how he can play in space. Um, 
that's something that you need. That's a trait that you need in this game. And so his, his ability to run and, like I said, play in space, those are positive traits when it comes to linebacker. And so uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, Wes, to see, just to take it back to kind of a general point, how this linebacker class finishes out because it's really hard to predict right now. I think there are a lot of different situations with you look at, you know, do Spurlock, okay, you know, you figure they probably get him on campus, but kind of where do things go from there? Stone Blank, you know, he's a guy that you've had in for an official. He's going to come back for a game this year, but he's a Mississippi kid. He's committed to Mississippi State for baseball. Can you get Tyler Banks in? Um, are there any new guys that pop up uh, this this football season that South Carolina has been tracking? Maybe so. So I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch, but a, a lot still to determine at the linebacker position, but it's still definitely a big need in this class. No doubt, man. All right, so uh, we have not done this before, but uh, we're going to do something a little bit different right now, Chris. We're going to try this. Uh, we're going to pay. We're going to pay a couple bills. So, real quick, uh, some some of you may see an ad pop up right now. Others may not. Um, but uh, we'll be right back at our midway point here on GC Live. All right, we're back uh, completing the show here on GC Live. Uh, there you see right there our kickoff party coming up. Friday, August 20th, uh, 7 p.m., still hands. This is the 2021, hopefully first of many, Chris, 2021 Gamecock Central kickoff party at Still Hand Brewing. I hope everybody here will be there. I know I'll be there. I know Chris will be there. I hope everybody in the chat and everybody listening, everybody watching comes out as well. And I do want to say real quick, Chris, we got to thank our sponsors, man, because uh, we've already got several folks in, the, the fine people at Experience Columbia Sports. Uh, ExperienceColumbiaSC.com is where you can find them. Um, Chris, uh, Lawyer Lisa, uh, that, that's a name I think a lot of South Carolina fans are already familiar with. Um, they, they do quite a bit on 107.5 from what I've heard. I know Josh Brown uh, has been on 107.5 promoting Lawyer Lisa as well. Um, so do you want to tell everybody real quick, Chris, about Lawyer Lisa and about our hotel deal that we have with three local hotels. Um, and, and just bear with us, y'all, because uh, th- this event uh, literally would not be possible without these sponsors. So I, I know some people get up in arms about, you know, if we overwhelm them with, with advertisements and stuff. But all local sponsors, they're helping us out, and we literally would not be able to have the party uh, financially without them. So bear with us and please, if you can uh, su- support our sponsors. Yeah. And there will be VIP tickets on sale. T Thompson asked when they go on sale, hopefully this week, hopefully very early this week T. But as you pointed out, Wes, this is, if you don't get a VIP ticket, it's still a free event and it's for all Gamecocks, right? So you can come to the event free. There's no like entry fee, no cover. You purchase your own drinks, whatever, but it's free. And it's going to have a concert. It's going to be great. So please support these folks. I'm going to drop the link for three different hotels, Marriott properties around Columbia. If you need a hotel uh, for the event or if you just need a hotel in general, special discount codes uh, for all those three properties. I'll drop them here in the chat in just a moment. Definitely check out Experience Columbia, as Wes said, and Lawyer Lisa, our friends over there. Uh, they do an awesome job. They are a law firm that focuses on estate planning. So if anybody's ever gone through some of that, maybe you lose a loved one, maybe you're trying to figure out what to do with a, a family member's estate, it can be extremely stressful and extremely confusing. So 
make sure you check out Lawyer Lisa and experience the difference there uh, with them. Go to LawyerLisa.com. They're on Fernandina Road in Columbia, and they are one of several sponsors that are helping make the preseason kickoff party at Steel Hands possible. So please check out those local businesses and support them. Yeah, and, uh, and please come on out for the party. Uh, like I said, VIP, uh, and, and I know people, I see Craig asking, um, people keep asking about the price. I mean, are, are we are we safe to say the price at this point, Chris? We the, the reason we have not said the price is that we have been trying to see how much value we can pack into the VIP thing. And because we, we've been trying to get, we, we've tried to work it out with several people. We're, we're going to have, opportunities for giveaways and the way it's going to work if you in theory and i believe this is the way we're headed if you have a if you have a vip ticket you're going to automatically be entered into our giveaways as well if you're not a vip you can then buy a basically one of those lottery type tickets where um we're going to pull from and we're working with sponsors to have gifts and we're working to figure out exactly what all is going to come with the vip ticket um so, Chris? Yeah, I think we should do it. Let, let's I mean, break some news on the show. I mean, every, everybody's been asking for a long time what the price of the tickets is going to be. So, all right, what we're looking at right now is it's $100 for a VIP ticket. That gets you, obviously, access to the event, which is free in the first place. There's going to be a special covered seating area which um, puts you out of the Columbia sun, puts you in front of a fan. You're going to have your, your food is going to be included with the ticket. You're going to have, and this, this is why we were sort of hesitant. I've got to confirm with still hands how many drinks come with that, but you will have a certain number of drinks that are included with your ticket. Um, A guaranteed place to sit, which actually for this venue wise, I I think, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people there. That's going to matter to have a guaranteed spot to sit. We're going to give you some free time on Gamecock Central. And uh, Chris and I are going to be hanging out, walking around in the VIP area as well. So we're going to be walking around, uh, chatting it up with y'all, um, talking some ball with you. And uh, and really the, the only way, the way we wanted to be able to keep this event free was A, to have sponsors, but B, to do a more premium area with tickets as well. So did, did I, did I describe that? Well, Chris, you did, you did, man. And and I think, you know, truth be told, you know, I don't know really what different people are going to expect different things with the VIP ticket. There might be some people that said, I'm not going to buy it no matter what, which is fine. There might be some people say, if it's this, I'll buy it, or this is my limit. We understand that. Um, but you know, we are trying to, as as Wes said, we're, we're trying to already, we feel like we've packed a good bit of value in there already. You will get some things included that uh, you would be paying for otherwise, probably if you come to the party. So build that into your thought process. And we're trying to pack in even more value. We got a bunch of things locked in that, that you will get, um, but we're going to continue trying to add to that. We're, we're hopefully not done on that front, trying to pack in value to the VIP tickets. Wes and I will be there a lot. We're this is a party for all Gamecocks. We're gonna make the rounds as much as we possibly can. We're obviously gonna be, I think we're gonna be running around a little bit, Wes, probably on that day. But we will certainly be hanging out in the VIP area a good bit. So 
if that's I might have just turned some people off from it, Wes. My bad. Nah, I, that that sounds worse even. But we will be there if that has any effect on it. So continue to keep a lookout for VIP tickets. We'll definitely be you know we'll be dropping links all yeah, over oh, yeah. the place we'll, once we get that. Yeah, we're gonna hit you over the head with that info. I yeah. think, but um, and, and that's that's part of the reason we've been trying to figure out how many VIP tickets we're gonna have, and we've been trying to find as much value to pack in there for you to where it is, you know, a good deal for you. But that, that's what we settled on as far as the way to structure everything. Um, from a company standpoint, it is, we, I've learned a lot about throwing an event. I've also learned it's not cheap to have, it's not cheap to throw a concert. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, if you also remember that, if you, if you buy a VIP ticket, you are, you're supporting uh, what, what we're doing there. But if you don't want to buy a VIP ticket, you can come for free. Nobody's forcing anybody to pay, and we wanted to keep it to where you didn't have to pay to come. Um, if you are a heavy drinker, <laughs> if you're a big partier, I forgot one big advantage, Chris. VIP has its own bar. So um, much shorter lines in the VIP area. Just saying if if that's what you're all about. That could be a big advantage to some people, Chris. It's a good point. So there, there are several people out there that went, okay, now I'm sold. Yeah. I may be one of those people if if trying to pull this thing off, like I, I may be one of those people come eighteen <laughs> days from now. So yeah. we shall see. I think I can go ahead and put this out there as well. 1075, the game, uh, they'll be out there before the party. Um, I'm sure they'll have some prizes of their own. They're inviting everyone to come out pregame, meet them. Um, you know, we'll be hanging around for part of that time. Um, we're gonna have special guests speaking. So basically the rundown is that about seven, we're gonna have some different guests talk, we're gonna have some former players talk, and then th- the main event will be Patrick Davis and 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 his band. But we're we're gonna have some other elements involved as well. And the big thing is just for everybody to come out and, and have a really good time. Um all right, Chris, let's talk a little bit of football, man. Players report Thursday. If y'all are into reading a lot of uh, a lot of Gamecock um, content, you're going to see it on Thursday. Media Day, Beamer's speaking, some coaches are speaking, players are speaking. And then on Friday, we're going to have a little bit of um, practice that, that's going to be open out there, Chris. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you, man. Give me give me one give me one storyline, one one thing. It can be a player, it can be a position, it can be a storyline. It can be anything. What are you most when you look out there on Friday? What are you most uh, interested in seeing? I, I would go with on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll keep it very general and just say the offense because I think you know defensively and offensively there are questions about you know what what are things going to look like schematically. We we really didn't get a great sense of that in the spring, particularly on offense. I mean, the spring game was the most. Um, that we saw, whether media fans, you know, that was the most that we saw in one sitting of South Carolina football the entire spring, but it was very vanilla on purpose, you know, for, for a couple reasons. Um, and so I think just offensively looking at the scheme, kind of looking at how all the parts work together, being able to get a sense as much as you can in, in whatever time span we get, Wes, which won't be a ton, um, you know, just being able to get a sense for what things look like, um, whether that's personnel, hey, who's out there first at receiver, or second at receiver, or, or any guys stepping up, are there any plays made? 
and just kind of looking at how the offense is structured from a from a scheme standpoint because we know there's a lot in this playbook. So what what do they show if anything? That for me is the biggest storyline just because it's it's interesting and as we all know from following this program the past few years, the offensive side of the ball is is one that's generated a lot of conversation and an area they got to improve in. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I, uh, I, I'm with you. I would, I would love to have exclusive access to just one scrimmage to, to see what this offense is going to be. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, maybe we can pull some strings, but I just, I, I mean, I feel like we may get glimpses, but we're not really going to know what this offense is until right. until they kick it off. And then I think September fourth, we're not really going to know because of your. You know, from a South Carolina perspective, you're you're hoping you can sort of just uh, impart your will and your talent's going to win this game without showing a ton. Mm-hmm. But but you never know; you can't assume anything. So so we'll see. I'll I'll go on the other side of the ball for for the sake of argument. And Chris, I, I'll be curious to see the first five guys in the secondary that run out there day one. Yep. And where they are. Where where are they where are they lined up? Yeah. Uh, you know, Clay, Clayton White, who is uh generally a pretty pretty positive guy, but also uh I think a, a realistic guy when he talks. He was asked uh at the after the, the golf tournament, biggest positive, like non concern, and then biggest concern. And you know, he he went very general with the positive. He said, look, I feel like our guys are ready. He says, I feel like my guys know this scheme. They, they've studied it hard. They know the playbook. Um, they're ready to go out there and execute it. But then when he was talking about biggest concern, he, he, he brought up the secondary, which is in line with what I think everybody outside the building thinks too. But his point was just, I've got so many underclassmen. I've got so many guys that have not played. And – it's a very valid concern. You know, we're, we're sitting here talking about the first five. Well, who's the sixth guy? Who's the seventh? Who's the eighth? Who is next in line? We, we know there will be injuries. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, man. The, the first group, you're going to have a bunch of guys who have maybe played, but, uh, fa- you know, fans probably – put them as, as question marks in some cases. You're going to have some new guys who are older. They're not underclassmen, but like a Carlin Splatel, he has one year to play. If he He's probably going to play a pretty good bit this year for South Carolina. But then, you know, where where is Dom Hill as far as his progression? He was a guy who was in there with the first unit in the spring game. How far along is uh, O.D. Fortune? You know, has Joey Hunter, who was banged up in the spring, has he been able to get healthy and, and get some – at least some time in the player run practices. There are, there's at least enough guys in the room now, I think, as far as numbers. But who, who surprises? Who steps up that we're not expecting? Who's not ready that we're, we're counting on? You know, thinking South Carolina is going to uh, play that guy a lot. I, I mean, I, I feel like there could be, you know, somebody asked us to project the secondary, I think, a, a couple weeks ago. We we could have nailed that, or we could be completely off, right? Yeah, total whiff. Yeah. Well, and, and some of the stuff coming out from the media golf tournament 
really made it sound like, hey, Karan Prani, the transfer from Kansas, Karan Prani and and Cam, you know, have a chance to be a good duo. And so you take that and you're like, okay, well, Karan Prani trotting out there day one as the starter, just, you know, here we are. You know, he didn't go through spring. He enrolled in the summer. Uh, First time in a Gamecock uniform. Is he out there on day one as as a starter? I, I don't know. But it, you, what that does tell you is that there's an expectation that that very well could happen. And I think even outside the building, um, that that's an expectation just because it's so unsettled. And we know Karan Prani has, you know, some experience, some valuable and impactful experience. And so that makes sense. But there are a lot of other guys. I mean, look, Jalen Dickerson. I mean, he's been around for a long time, but because of injuries, some just odd, you know, injuries, he, he just hasn't played a ton i mean he's probably what a mid midway through his sophomore year in terms of actual on-field experience you know but yet he's he's much older in terms of age and more mature so you know how healthy can they stay where do the pieces fit who's your nickel i mean there are just a lot of different pieces so i I think that's definitely one of the top two and and could arguably be the top kind of storyline to open camp no doubt i see we, we had a couple questions, Chris, I want to hit. Um, Nathan, is EJ Jenkins going to play more at wide receiver or tight end? Um, I, I It seems like more tight end to, to me. Uh, that, that's where he played a ton of in the spring. I I think when you're going to see him sort of flexed out or, or playing what would look like a receiver position, and, and you know, some sometimes we're talking about semantics. He He seems to be in the tight end room more. But now that tight end spot, Chris, does get flexed out into the slot quite a bit. I would guess maybe some goal line situations, you you put him out there on the edge. I mean, I think Beamer even brought that up. He's like, in the goal in a goal line situation, are we better off with EJ Jenkins down here blocking somebody or or spread out throwing him the football, trying to find a mismatch? So, you know, I think he'll line up at receiver down there some. But for the most part, uh, it seems like he's going to be a tight end to, to me. Um, let's see. We had another question. Grover says, I'm no evaluation expert, but Spalding, uh, refer- referring to David Spalding, looks like he's going to be a great player for us sooner rather than later. Am I crazy? Chris, I, I mean, I don't think he's crazy. I, I don't know if I've seen enough of Spalding to really say one way or the other. But it did catch my eye that he was out there first among the nickels in the spring game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that does say something. Now, uh, other side to that, I, I wouldn't even call it devil's advocate, but South Carolina pretty banged up in the spring with some little nicks in the secondary. No so doubt. not sure you can take a ton away from that, but it, it was, you know, he, he did have an opportunity there and did some good things. And um, I, I don't know if – I'm always hesitant to use the word great player. You know, to me, that's kind of all SEC, NFL draft pick – like you, Wes, I haven't seen enough. We don't know enough quite yet. Um, a guy with potential, for sure, and potential to play a good bit for South Carolina this year, sure. Potential to play very well if he gets that chance. I think that's there. But I think still a good bit to learn, you know, about David Spalding. Um, does Did stay healthy during the spring, as far as we know. Was in there at the spring game. Um, got some valuable experience in this scheme uh, as a first-year player in the scheme. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But he's definitely going to be one of the guys, I think, in the mix. 
All right, man. Uh, it's three o'clock, so I, I think that's going to do it. Uh, appreciate everybody for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I, I had fun. I think we had a lot to hit on. I planned on continuing to maybe do some position breakdowns, but we end up having so much to talk about that uh, we don't get to them. So hopefully next time, probably Wednesday, we can get into a uh, defensive side of the ball, maybe break down the South Carolina defensive line. But until then, he is Chris. I'm Wes. Uh, appreciate y'all watching, listening. And again, please support our Gamecock Central kickoff party sponsors, and y'all have a good rest of the day. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're First $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.